0: Well good morning church, it's a joy to be with you again in this live stream as we worship on the Lord's day, a day that's been set apart by the scripture for us to remember the greatness of Christ. I want to thank you for your faithfulness, you've been faithful in giving of your finances, of your prayers and your energy, faithfully reaching out to our community and your neighbors during this time. May the Lord's name be honored during this very significant and unique time in our history. This week I was with a family, and they have children aged two and a half and five, and as I saw the family, the children greeted me with great enthusiasm. And I, I thought, this is wonderful. But and the mother laughed and said, Our children are glad to see you for a number of reasons. But one reason is that we live stream. Every Sunday as a family, and we tell our children that as they pay attention and sing and pray, that when you start preaching, it is snack time. So they're glad to see because they think it's snack time. So I I say this morning to to Shelby and Judson, it's snack time. But for the rest of us, we're going to go into the Scripture and feed on God's Word. We are in the book of 1 Peter talking about resurrection responses to the reality of Christ. Last week, the resurrection response was, we love Him. And today, the resurrection response is, we rejoice in Him. Chapter 1 of 1 Peter, verses 8 and 9 says this, though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls a joy that is inexpressible the only time the word that word inexpressible is used in the new testament and filled with glory so this morning I want to speak to you about rejoicing why we should rejoice out of 1 Peter and My definition is this, joy is the biblically informed response of the child of God to the Trinitarian goodness poured into their life by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is the biblically informed emotional response of the child of God as we understand the Trinitarian greatness that's been poured into our lives. Psalm 103 is a psalm of thanksgiving and praise. It says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And he goes on, he talks about how the Lord has worked in salvation history with the children of Israel, how he led Moses, and he said, he does not deal with with us according to our sins, but he or repay us according to our iniquities. But he has compassion on us as a father has compassion on his children. And so he just, the psalmist celebrates the goodness of the Lord, and it's, it's a glorious psalm. It's a wonderful psalm. It's a psalm of praise and thanksgiving. And I think about that though, in light of again, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 through 12, listen to this. This is Peter's statement to the young church. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but they were serving you in the things that now have been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit. Who has been sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So, so I look at this passage, and Peter says that, that this good news that was prophesied in the Old Testament was, was a, a glorious thing that was paving the way for the full manifestation of God in Christ. And, and so the promises have come upon the church in 1 Peter, the promises that the prophets longed for, and Abraham longed to see, and Moses longed to see have come upon the church in fullness. And so I go to Psalm 103. Bless the Lord all my soul forget none of his benefits. He heals. He he, he forgives. He redeems. He renews. He he builds us up. All those things are fulfilled in the reality of Christ. And so I, I look at Psalm 103 and I think, How much more should our joy and rejoicing be who see the Lamb of God revealed in the flesh. It's not a promise. It's revealed in the flesh, risen from the dead, ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit has poured out upon us. And so I, I say to you, church, on the basis of Scripture, that we should rejoice and be glad because of the greatness of our salvation. Proverbs 17 says, a, a, a joyful heart is, is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones and we know that and 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 so to get into this passage let me just say this more about this next week we have to fight against the default of normality of negativity just we live in a culture that gravitates toward the negative gravitates toward bad news we've got to immerse ourselves in the bible that's why joy is the biblically informed mind that is the emotional response So what's interesting here is that Peter just doesn't say, hey, church, be happy, be joyful, be fulfilled. He he builds a case for why they should be happy. He gives reasons for being joyful. And so I want to go through, I've got about 12, but I'm going to give you five this morning. 12 reasons from this passage we've been covering that we should be joyful. Joyful. And we should rejoice and be glad and happy. The first is an understood truth that is the framework of the Scripture. The understood truth is this. There is a God who is a great great creator God. As one catechism says, he is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. So we begin with this great mind-boggling conception and worldview statement, there is a God who has made the heavens and the earth. And that was understood and embraced and part of the fabric of our culture, Western civilization, the biblical world, until only recently. So we need to stand up and say, this this book, the Christian worldview, that's based upon the reality of God says this, there is a great creator God who made the heavens and the earth. So that gives us Joy because we see orderliness and beauty and colors and symmetry. Last night, I was able to go to an open-air, COVID-19-friendly outdoor music gathering. And I sat there and just looked, and there was, the sky was blue, and there were magnificent oak trees around us. And there were children playing, beautiful, lovely families. There were, the music was good, and I just thought, this is a wonderful gift from God. God. There's a great creator God who's given his gifts to men and women to enjoy friendship and laughter and family and colors. I was reading a devotional Tuesday morning. And the devotional, it's called New Morning Mercies said this, you cannot get up and go outside in the morning without bumping into God. You go outside and you, you see Creation, And you see the beauty. And you, you, you say, there is a God. And that's written on our hearts. And as I was reading that and thinking about it, this is pretty amazing. I was, I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, a hummingbird came right up within about five feet of my face. And just for about four seconds, just did their, their fluttering thing and then went off. And then I, I looked up. Did you know that this is just an aside, especially if you have children with you, that a hummingbird flutters its wings from 20 to 75 times a second. I said, I can't begin to do that. Ask your mom and dad to do that. They can't begin to do that. But that's just one small statement of the creative mercy and goodness of God. In Psalm 17, there's a prayer that God will protect his people from wicked men and wicked women. And he kind of describes these wicked people. And he says that in verse 10, they, they close their hearts to pity. And with their mouths they speak arrogantly, and, and they, they, they surround the steps of God's people, and they set their eyes to cast us to the ground, that the wicked people are like a lion eager to tear, a young lion that lurks in ambush and hides to, to attack. And then he says this, O oh Lord, protect me. From men of the world whose portion is in this life. In other words, God, these these wicked men, their their basic presupposition in part is, I call the shots. There is no God that I answer to. I am the king of my universe. And he says, this is the first step to wickedness. I think he's right. So, So God is a glorious God of creation. Years ago, I was 15 years ago, I had a summer job of cutting down trees and pulling up roots and clearing land for a factory that would be built in our small town. And so I worked for several weeks with a a farmer that always wore bib overalls and had a three-day beard before a three-day beard was cool and wore a ball cap and always had tobacco in his jaw and didn't say much. And I don't know if it's 38 or 78 when you're 15. The difference between 38 and 78 is a nanosecond, so I, I didn't know. But anyway, we, I just remember two things he said to me. never forget. I very seldom spoke. One day he looked at me. And this is the humorous side. He said, have you ever had fried possum? And I said, no, sir, I never have. And I can say gladly today I still have not had fried possum. And he said, it is really good. And I thought, I'll take your word for it. The other thing he said to me that I, I'll never forget, when I was a young guy, hadn't had too serious thoughts in my life at that time. He said, I've come to believe that if you just accept the first verse of the Bible, a lot of things will fall into place. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. And that's what we celebrate in this passage. There's a great creator God This understood in this context. Number two is this, that this great creator God has acted in history in Trinitarian splendor. He says this. He says, verse 2 of chapter 1, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father... In sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling with His blood, uh, there is a, a great God who has spoken to us and worked in us. First of all, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. God, those whom He foreknew, Romans 8 says, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. God's foreknowledge, He loves us with an everlasting love. Take comfort in that. Be joyful. And it says... And the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. Sanctification is a process whereby we become more holy in heart and conduct. So when you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit of God elevates the name of Jesus opens the word of God to our understanding and, and pushes and corrects and comforts us as we go down the path of discipleship. The Holy Spirit says, don't go this far, come back, do this, do that. We take the word as biblically informed living. We, for knowledge of God, the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling with his blood. Where We've been chosen given the gift of the Spirit, to be men and women who joyfully walk in obedience because we've been sprinkled with the blood of Christ and our sins are forgiven. So so we look back and it's the Trinitarian glory of God and what he's done in our lives. David Murray is an Old Testament professor and a professor of practical theology of Seminary in Michigan. He's written a book, one of several books, entitled Happiness. And in this book he talks about ways Christians and reasons Christians should be happy. And he says this, there are, he says, six types of natural happiness. He says there's nature happiness where you see creation and you're glad. There is social happiness where you have friendships and family. There's vocational happiness where you enjoy your work and rejoice in it. There's physical happiness where you're able to walk and climb or maybe exercise and enjoy creation. There is intellectual happiness where you're able to think through issues and and, and really use your mind to to, to embrace your living. And And then there's humor. He says humor happiness where we have the ability just to laugh. He said, but but these things come and go, and if you have the reality of the happiness and the joy that Jesus brings, it sweetens all of these happinesses. That, that when you understand the Trinitarian glory of God and what the Lord has done for you, how can you not rejoice? Loved eternally by the Father, you've received the Holy Spirit who guides you. You Live in obedience as you're sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. You've been forgiven of your sin. How could we not be happy? And, and so that's why the psalmist could say in Psalm 84, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, which represents the presence of God, than to live in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, and he bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold to those whose walk is blameless. Now, I see this and I say, the reality of Christ sweetens everything, and it is not like the fading happiness. It is strong and vibrant and real as I run to him. J.C. Ryle, the Anglican of the 1800s, said this. He said that, uh, that if, if a man, to be truly happy, uh, a man must have sources of gladness which are not dependent on anything in this world. Tell me not of your happiness if it daily hangs on the uncertainties of earth. So all these natural happinesses will come and go, but the reality of the love and mercy of God is ours. Th- the third reason we should be happy, it says in verse 1 that we are elect Exiles. In other words, elect, election is a great mystery. It's here in the text. It's throughout the scripture in First Peter. Election is the, the mystery of salvation by which God in his tender mercy loves us with an everlasting love. And in the fullness of time, he allows the word to penetrate our hearts as the Holy Spirit comes in to convict and he draws us unto himself. It is It's a mystery. But to quote Jaya Packer, it it is to move us to humility, confidence, joy, praise, faithfulness, and holiness as we respond. In other words, my standing is not based upon what I do or how firmly I hold. My standing is based upon the fact that God in his mercy has me in the palm of his hand. He loves me with an everlasting love. I am his and he is mine. He loves me before, me before, before time began. It's an amazing statement. He loved his people. So, so the third reason is we are elect. The the next reason is we are exiles. Exiles means that we are already, but not yet, in the area of redemption. We've tasted it, but it's not complete. So, therefore, we understand that this life is not the final word, we have a heaven. This COVID-19 has been an interesting thing. We are a number of weeks into, is it eight weeks now? Is it eight weeks? Is that right? I think we're eight weeks in. And I've been praying very much for families in our church. I think of um, moms and dads that are all of a sudden are homeschoolers, which is difficult. I think of our single people who, in many cases, are really alone, or our older population uh, I think of, of marriages and um, how, how, how if you've had a clear sailing time for these eight weeks living in your house with your spouse or your roommates or your kids, there's been no rancor. There's been no disruption. It's been, it's been peaceful and calm and serene. I think you're probably lying. I don't want to say that to you, but I just, I just think it's tough at times. As you go through the human experience, you go to the book of Genesis. And in Genesis 2, it's the Garden of Eden. Everything is perfect, it's wonderful. God gives Adam to Eve and Eve to Adam, and it is glorious. They've they've named the animals. They're the regent lords of creation. And, And then in Genesis 3, sin enters the human race, and you've got... Briars in the garden, and you've got pain in childbirth. And it says, because of sin, that the, the wife will seek to manipulate the husband, and the husband will seek to browbeat the wife and not care for her as he should. And, and, and that's, that's the result of the fall. Now, Christ reverses a lot of that, but not everything. And we're always trying to get back into Genesis 2. But listen, brothers and sisters, we live in Genesis 3. Therefore, we understand that we live in the already, but not yet. Therefore, we rejoice in the hope of heaven. Therefore, we confess our sins and run to the cross. In Philippians, Paul is talking about a group of people that had come in and turned the church upside down by saying, you've got to do what you, what your works to achieve salvation. You've got to do this and that and this and that to really be saved. It was kind of a form of what we call the Judaizers. And so this is what Paul says. He says that, that, that their end, verse 19, is destruction, and their God is their belly themselves, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies— To be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Paul says, you know, a a great day is coming. Our citizenship is in heaven. And he's going to take these bodies that are breaking down with age and time and disease. And one day he'll give us a glorious resurrection body like his and we'll be with him forever. So rejoice. And I, I think as I look at this passage, we should be happy. We should say, I rejoice. When we should go to 1 Peter chapter 2 that says this. Verse 23 says that when when he was reviled, Jesus, he did not revile in return, but he suffered. And he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, and now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And I, and I say, there's substantial and real healing in knowing Christ. There is healing in our minds, and our thinking, and our worldview. There's, there's healing in our relationships. There's healing and forgiveness in the way we treat each other. There's physical nourishment in knowing Jesus by his wounds. You've been made right with God, and there's substantial change in your life. So, so Rejoice that you're exiles. Be happy. Be glad. The fifth reason. We should rejoice and be glad because joy is for now. Incredible statement. Where he says this. You rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Glory. The word rejoice here can mean either you're presently rejoicing or I'm calling you to rejoice. So it says if you're rejoicing now, praise the Lord, keep doing it. If you're not rejoicing, I'm calling you to rejoice. So the joy and the reality is for the here and now. A, a, A joy that is inexpressible and absolutely filled with glory. Inexpressible, filled with glory. Just ask you, how's your joy? I believe joy comes as we contemplate the great things that the Lord has done for us. As we contemplate that he is and that he's saved us in Trinitarian splendor. And that he has loved us with an everlasting love and that heaven awaits. And so we say joy is now. It's now. I'll taste it in fullness in heaven, but it's, it's now. I, I, want, I want us to be joyful people. I want us to live in such a way that we represent Christ and we represent hope. So brothers and sisters, rejoice. And if you're rejoicing today, praise the Lord. Keep doing it. If you're saying, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not rejoicing. Then then just get along with the Lord and take the Scripture and go through and say, Lord, show me what it means that you love me with an everlasting love. Show me what it means to say that I'm sprinkled by the blood of Jesus, that I'm being sanctified by the Spirit. Show me what it means that, that I am one of your people. Show me what it means that my hope is in heaven. Rejoice. Be glad. So three quick application statements. Number one, this is something worth striving for. As we come, aside, come apart, you know, the, the Bible says some of these statements. The Scripture says, in this, later in this passage, it says, make your calling and your election sure. The Scripture says in Second Peter 1, it says, add to your faith Energy or action. And to your action add knowledge and self-control and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. Make every effort. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, I beat my body, I make it my slave. So that after I've preached to others, I won't be disqualified for the prize. Jesus says, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many find it. But narrow is the road and small is the gate that leads to life and many find it. And he says, strive to enter that gate. So I I, I say to you, this is something worth striving for. to, to, To think well, to understand well so that we might be joyful And glad and filled with the passion and energy of Christ. The second thing is this. Life and our emotions come in waves. Some people are like this. Some people are more like this. That's just the way you're made. But these emotions will come in waves Our challenge is to understand that we are leaky buckets. And so we get up in the morning and we get the Scripture open and we think God's thoughts. We write down a verse. We carry it around with us in our pocket. And we we think about it. But as the day goes on, you know, again, the cultural negativity, the, the inroads of the devil, just Put in a few holes in our bucket. So we have to continually go back to the Lord. So, so it's, it's, it's like it comes in ways. I would just say it's worth striving to, to say, Lord, show me the gladness of the Lord. Show me your face. Show me your goodness. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And forget not. See, forget not all of his benefits. It's easy, church, to forget just to forget, especially when times are going good. It's it's, it's easy to forget. So understand it comes in waves. If you're in a point of non-rejoicing, run to the Lord. If you're rejoicing, stay there. The third thing is this. We are what we think. More about that next week. But but, but you, you read the Scripture, and as you understand the things of the Lord, and they fill your mind and your heart, no matter if you've been a believer for a month or for 50 years, we have to say to ourselves, we are what we think. Let these words, let this word dwell in your heart richly. Let it be in your spirit because as you feast on the word and as you take it in, God changes you. I begin by saying that there's a couple of children who say it's snack time. When Pastor Brown stands up. But really when we open the word is snack time. Because Jeremiah says this. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah 15. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became from me the joy and the delight of my heart. For I've been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Your words were found. I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. Come, Holy Spirit. A joyful person, biblically speaking, is a biblically informed disciple of Jesus who is continually understanding the Trinitarian splendor of God in his life. And he is glad. Let's pray. Lord, this morning... Uh, we are so thankful that we have a reason to be happy we have we have a reason we just to say alone which is glorious my sins are forgiven is enough but beyond that we can say not only are my sins forgiven but I have received the blessed Holy Spirit and I've been adopted into the family of God. I am secure and safe and strong in Jesus. That even as life goes by and the body breaks down and disappointments crowd in, there is a glorious eternity that awaits that will be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And because of that, we are glad. So so Lord, may we be people who... Rejoice with great joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory as we taste the goodness of the reality of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for all you are for us. In Christ's name, amen.